You are listening to a message from Southwood Presbyterian Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Our passion is to experience and express grace. Join us. Amen. Thank you, guys. That is our prayer. That is what we long for as we come this morning to God's Word. In Luke chapter 8, you can find it on page 864 of the Bible in the pew in front of you. If you want to grab one of those, Luke chapter 8. As this chapter opens, as we've been walking through Luke's gospel, uh, we find Jesus and his close group of followers going around town to town, uh, telling and showing the good news of the kingdom. And I want us to notice something interesting in these first three verses here before we pray and read the rest of the passage that we're going to talk about this morning. In addition to the 12 disciples, uh, some women are in this group with Jesus. Uh, We only get three names, Mary Magdalene, Susanna, and Joanna, but several women, many women, it says. Now, that may not seem unusual to you, uh, but in Jesus' day, Uh, In a Middle Eastern culture, in particular in a culture of of Jewish rabbis and who typically follows them and would go around with them, this is highly unusual. In fact, not just unusual for many, it would have been scandalous. Uh, Jesus certainly would have taken a few uh, dings to his reputation because of this reality. Uh, But other than being unusual, why would Luke mention these women who are with Jesus and his followers. Why intentionally bring this point out? Well, partially because it fits with Luke's theme of the message of the kingdom that he's talking about here being good news of great joy for all people. Not just men, but women as well. The community King Jesus is shaping features all sorts of men and women. There's probably a whole sermon in there about the significant place of women in the community of God's people and we could just stop at these three verses and you're saying, great, just do that this morning. Uh, Why why not do that this morning? Well, because there are 50 some of our women on a retreat and my wife is one of them and I'm not going to waste an opportunity for brownie points with my wife. Come on, uh, give me a break. We We can't have that sermon this morning. We will talk about it again more as we go through Luke. But instead, let me just say this this morning before we read the rest of the passage. Women are vital in the kingdom of Jesus and in the work of his church. Notice that that these women who are with him are even providing for Jesus and his followers out of their own means, from their own pockets as they're traveling around. Any Christian community is weakened when it neglects to engage well with its godly women. God has created male and female in his image. Yes, with unique roles and and uniquely in his image, God's word describes for us many things about how that plays out in our relationships, but we need our women We should honor our women. We must thank God for the women he has blessed this particular church with and how they love and serve in this body. In the previous story at the end of Luke 7 that Peter preached about, 
last week, there's a woman whom other men had objectified and used. Jesus treats her very differently. Jesus honors her, forgives her, dignifies her. It's worth us asking the question, has the good news of Jesus changed the way you view or treat women? It should in a noticeable, countercultural way. Perhaps more generally, has the, has the good news of Jesus changed the way that you view or treat others who are marginalized, left out, uh, the least of these? It should. And in a noticeable, countercultural way, Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. Do they experience that in relationship with us? I heard this week that our children's ministry is looking for more volunteers to spend time caring on Sunday mornings for some of our special needs kids to love them and and be with them. And I thought to myself, Jesus would sign up twice for that. Um, he, He loves those who others tend to ignore or overlook. That's that's his heart. What a great opportunity to share Jesus' heart, right? Many others, not just our women, many others are marginalized in our culture as women were in Jesus' day and in some ways still are today. So I want to pray for our women as many of them are gone this weekend and then we'll turn our attention to the rest of this passage. Will you pray with me? Father, for your creative design in making us male and female, we praise you. We give you thanks for your wisdom in designing us, for the way you have called us into relationship and community together, and for the way you have designed your church to work with men and women laboring for your kingdom. And Father, we thank you for the women of this church and of this community for the ways that you have uniquely shaped them, for the amazing gifts you have given to them, for the tremendous blessing they are, an example they are to us in this church. We thank you. We pray for them and those especially on the retreat as they spend time together this morning around your word and praying together. Uh, Might you bless them. Might you meet with them there in a special way? Might, might your spirit continue to work as they come back and, and minister among their friends and, and families in this church? Father, use them in, in great ways. And Father, we come to your word this morning that shows us these things that, that might not always be the way we would naturally think that challenges cultural assumptions like Jesus did then, that, that calls us to you in ways that our hearts need this morning. And so would you prepare us to hear your word? Would you speak? And might we listen and hear and see and worship our Savior? And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 8. We'll pick up at verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. 
and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And Jesus was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Thus far, God's holy, inerrant, inspired word that we might know him more. Early in our marriage, I was sitting on the couch one morning, um, eating a bowl of cereal, watching ESPN Sports Center. I'm having a great time, and I have a vivid recollection of this morning because my sweet wife walked into the room to talk with me about something. I say I have a vivid recollection of it. I also still have no idea what it was that she came to talk to me about. Um, What happened as I sat there watching and her talking, I, I heard every word that she said, only in one sense of the word heard. Um, I grunted a few times in response, nodded several times, but she, perceiving what was going on in the situation, at one point stopped mid-sentence, and I had absolutely no reaction. I was glued to the highlights, didn't even notice. I'm hoping, now that laptop computers and smartphones are, are fairly common, that I'm not the only one who's ever been in this position Um, But if you haven't been there, it is not a good position um, to find yourself in. Don't, Don't do that. When my wife is speaking to me, it is vital that I hear her properly. That I not just have sound waves pass through my ears, but that I truly listen. That I understand. That I respond appropriately to what she's saying. How much more is this true with the Word of God? 
with the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus is teaching us here through these parables and these stories that he tells in this section of scripture that hearing the word of God properly is of vital importance. We must truly hear it. In fact, it has eternal significance that we hear it properly. Do you think of yourself as a good listener, generally? Do you think you you listen well to the word of God, specifically? Hearing the word of God properly is of vital importance. And that's what this passage is about. Notice Jesus' focus on hearing here. How do you know, Will, that that's what this passage is about? Just look through it and and hear what he's saying. We didn't stop as we read through it, but verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, there's a, a difference highlighted between mere hearing that I was describing happening while I ate my cereal and watched Sports Center, and true understanding. Verses 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, as Jesus begins this famous parable of the sower, you'll notice all four soils are people who have heard the word. And then what happens next? It's different each time. Verse 18, Jesus says very clearly, take care then how you hear. In verse 21, as we get to the end, Jesus says, the, my mother and my brothers, the, the ones that, that are in this close, vital relationship with me are, are who? The one who gave me birth and the ones I grew up with? No, no, it's those who hear the word and do it. That's what Jesus is talking about here. We need to grasp what he's talking about when he's talking about hearing the word of God, don't we? There's something that he's onto here in this passage. When Jesus speaks of the word of God, of course he means the Holy Scriptures, what we now know as the Bible, as we have it. In particular, not just the words themselves, but but the story that it tells featuring King Jesus as the, the one who through his life, death, and resurrection redeems and restores all of God's creation that has been broken and fallen. And in us particularly in our relationship with God that has been broken by our sin. It's the Bible and, and that message of good news of a savior, Christ the Lord. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what it is that we must hear properly, he says. So let me acknowledge up front the the awkwardness potentially of a preacher telling you how important his preaching is. Hey, y'all should pay attention to me more. That seems a little bit self-serving and strange perhaps. Uh, This time each week is not the only time you are to encounter the word of God, but it is a primary one. When we open this book and read and preach these truths, we expect to hear God speak. We, we mean it that strongly because this is his word and, and he continues to speak through it by his spirit. That's not to highlight the preacher. Quite the opposite, actually. It means that the good news of the kingdom should far outshine the preacher himself. British preacher Charles Spurgeon once said of two of his contemporary preachers, Mr. Whitfield and Mr. Wesley may preach the gospel better than I do, but they can't preach a better gospel. Amen. 
That's why we come and, and talk about this. It's not really all that interesting what I might think personally, but, but if God were to speak to us, we ought to listen. The word of God, the, the message therein is what we must hear properly, not the eloquence of will or anyone else. And I'm never going to apologize for highlighting that priority. It's his word, not mine. So what does Jesus say that proper or true hearing of the word of God looks like Um, what's he describe in this passage well after some negative examples we get to the end of the parable of the sower and there's good soil right here's what it's supposed to look like verse 8 some fell into good soil and grew and and yielded a hundredfold And then Jesus explains later what the parable means. He says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. There's two things that he highlights there. First, proper hearing begins with faith, with with holding it fast. It starts with trusting the word of God as the truth that directs and guides me Not just because of what it is, but because it comes from the one I trust to be my good shepherd. Because I trust him, I trust his word. We are not merely to hear the words of scripture, but to hold them fast. They are are written that we might get to know our creator and king. That we might worship him more, uh, trust him more, contemplate him more, consider who he is, that we might have an actual relationship with him through faith, that he would speak and we would listen, and we get to speak back to him and and know that he hears us as well. It's a relationship. But of course it doesn't stop there. It's It's a relationship that is to transform all of our lives. Hearing that begins with faith also leads to fruit. When we hear God's word with faith, it produces fruit as we persevere patiently. A hundredfold kind of fruit, verse 8 says. We hear God's word and we do what it says. Now it just makes sense that that's part of proper hearing, right? Action, that we would do what's been said. When you tell your child to make her bed, how do you know if she has heard you properly? Whether or not the bed gets made, right? If you walk upstairs several minutes later and the bed is a mess and she sits there on the ground playing with her dolls, she has not heard you properly. You will probably say something like, did you hear what I said to you? And you know that she was close enough that the words passed her ears. How many times do I have to tell you? Do I have to say it? You've said things like that before, right? You, You might have heard me, but you didn't hear me properly. There was no fruit to your hearing. The same would be true with a, a boss who gives directions. He knows they were physically heard, but, but he wants to know if there was fruit from them, if his employees actually followed his directions. Or if you're at a restaurant and you order a cheeseburger with no mayo and it comes out and there's white stuff dripping off of it all over the place. This is terrible, by the way. It should never be done that way. Um, the server has not heard you. They may have heard, 
what you said, but they didn't hear you properly. There was no fruit from your comment. Your words didn't have the desired effect, right? Hearing properly involves hearing, trusting, and action. Proper hearing begins with faith, and that faith leads to fruit. Fruit that according to the next brief parable Jesus tells about the lamp shines into every area of our lives. That's what's going on here. It's, it's very hard to understand out of context, but in the context of what we're talking about, this parable of the lamp begins to make sense. Look at verses 16 through 18. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or, or puts it under a bed, but, but instead puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. This is the word of God that Jesus is describing, right? It's not something to be heard and then hidden away as though it speaks into nothing else and we end up living in darkness. But, but no, it's rather that we and that others around us would see God's light on our path, uh, showing us how to live, exposing and enlightening everything. Verse 17, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So, because that's true, take care then how you hear. How are you hearing the word of God? For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. For those of us who who hear the word of God and are seeing it speak into this area of our lives and then again over here, it continues to do that as we study it more, as we read it more. The older we get, the more we have in it. It speaks into more and more of life. But for those of us who've decided it has nothing to say or that it's only something to be heard on Sunday morning and hidden again and left aside and not to speak into my life, it won't even, it will stop working that way. It will stop making any sense on Sunday morning because it doesn't matter to the rest of my life. Even what I thought it was useful for won't be worth anything anymore. It's not just about churchy things. It's to shine light into all of life. And the more we see it, the more we experience that as it speaks into our lives. That's what happens. Proper hearing involves seeing every part of my life as under the authority of God's word and therefore responding, uh, redirecting when necessary, repenting when I need to, when I hear his word. What what does that fruit look like? Um, Well, just a couple of examples. Uh, It means, for instance, that when I learn of God's providence, in his word, his, his sovereign care for me, even in the painful parts of life. It's not merely for the purpose of me being able to teach a lesson or to answer a test question about providence, but rather it leads my heart to trust him in grief and, and in struggle. It, it's for that in my life. It means that when I see I am disobeying my parents or misusing my body, or neglecting another of God's commands, that when I see that in God's word, I confess my sin. And turning back to him, seek to live the way that God directs me to live, even if I don't fully understand why it's best. It means on a day when I'm ready to give up hope altogether and and everything's dark, that I, I see God's word and the 
the glory promised to await me in heaven. And as the hymn writer says, I, would, I trace the rainbow through the rain in, in this situation. And I decide, no, there is hope. I don't see it now, but I believe there is hope. Even here. It means I don't merely give assent to Jesus as being the most valuable thing. That I don't just say things in verses I've heard before like I should seek God's kingdom first above all else. That I don't just say those things or recognize that they're from the Bible. But that those values would drive my major life decisions more than dollars or, or other desires that I might have. That those would actually shape the, the real decisions I'm making day to day. That's Jesus' heart. That we would hear properly Trusting him and following him in every part of our lives. Having a relationship with him that transforms all of life. But Jesus addresses this issue of hearing at length in this passage because he knows so many of us have hearing problems. Some of you on the way in told me you saw the title and said, I got hearing problems. Are you talking about me today? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. I promise not to talk about hearing aids. But we've seen many in Luke already who have hearing problems. They're in the crowds around Jesus. They hear lots of things that he says, but they don't respond with faith or fruit. Where does that hearing problem come from? Let's look back at the parable of the sower again. There there were four kinds of soil, right? Four types of people who all heard the word, but, but they responded differently. Something different happened. We've only talked about the good soil so far. First, there's the the soil on the path. A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And Jesus explains what he means. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Hearing problem number one. Satan himself. Did you know that there's a battle going on every time you hear the word preached? Every time you walk through those doors into a service like this one, a battle. Every time you stop on your own to consider the truth of the gospel showing up in a situation in your life, you walk into a battle. Satan wants to snatch the word away from you. If you've ever wondered why it's so hard to read God's word, to to meditate on its application in your life, one of the primary reasons is that Satan is waging war in your heart, urging you to doubt God, accusing you so that you think you must do something to earn God's favor rather than resting in the comfort of the gospel, tempting you to think other things would be more productive investments. In other words, you may have trouble hearing God's word because someone else is yelling loudly in your ear. Some hear the word, but Satan snatches it up so faith and fruit don't follow. Hearing problem number two, suffering. Suffering, difficult things in life. Verse six, some fell on the rock. 
And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And Jesus explains the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. Uh, You all know somebody, maybe you've been somebody who's been so excited about the message of Jesus and, and joyful about being a part of the church, but they didn't reckon with the cost of the cross. Perhaps they didn't realize up front that the God they were following laid down his life for them and and suffered and called us to follow him in that and said, this is what it's going to be like. And there was no deep relationship developed that allowed them to hear God through the pain of life. They ran into it, they weren't expecting it, and they turned away. And this is so sad because those who drop roots down deep in relationship with God, where, where that relationship has been nurtured and developed, find that he often speaks most clearly in our pain and suffering, doesn't he? C.S. Lewis said, God shouts in our pain. But sometimes the pain is so loud that it's the only thing we can hear. And, and faith fades Finally, we read about hearing problem number three, which is distraction. Distraction, verse seven. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Jesus said, here's what's going on with the thorns. They're those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. It's not so much the difficulties that they're facing, it's, it's maybe even the good things that are happening and that they see around them and that they think that's what really matters, that's what's really valuable, that's what I need more of, that's what I'm focusing my life on and the word of God begins to fade. If you've ever been with someone struggling with hearing loss and you've gone to a noisy restaurant, you know how frustrating that can be for them? They maybe want to have an important conversation, someone they're focused on, but it's so hard to do. Why? Because all the background noise can't get filtered out. It distracts them from being able to focus on something they they want to treat with importance. That's what happens in the thorny soil. Particularly, Jesus says the background noise that tends to drown out what's important for us is worldly cares, the riches of this world gets in our ears. It's attractive to us. It sounds good. Worldly pleasures do the things that we want to do. Things, experiences, priorities that become more valuable or attractive to us than Jesus. Sometimes even unintentionally, we we notice they've begun to dominate our time and our attention. They begin to shape our lives more than God's values, more than His Word. So how's your hearing? How are you receiving God's word? Has the gospel of Jesus Christ become in some ways background noise? Or is it words of life that you're desperate for every day? Are you bearing fruit? Or or is most of your life, when you're honest, generally unaffected by what God's word has to say? Does the good news of the kingdom shape your approach to every situation or 
Really, it's not at all. It is a, is a blogger that you follow or, or just your own uh, wise thoughts far more influential with you when you're making a big decision? Have you considered how the Word of God speaks into your free time, your finances, your marriage, your vocation? Have you considered those things? If you haven't considered deeply how it impacts your parenting or your relationships in every sphere of life, perhaps you should jump into one of those Sunday school classes that started this morning. Y'all, that's why we have classes like that. They don't have to meet at nine o'clock on Sunday morning to do this, but, but that's why we have some of them because we need God's word speaking into all of those areas of our life. And if we don't stop to consider it, we'll tend to go with whatever we think or whatever we happen to hear or scroll through on social media, and we want to come together and say, how does God's word speak into my life as I try to parent my kids? I need that. We need that. We need to slow down and hear properly how it speaks and bears fruit in all of life. Listen, I know you hear the word of God some, because Ron said earlier, we're not bashful about the fact that that's what we talk about when we gather here. And you're here and you hear the word of God some, but... James warns us very specifically in his letter not merely to hear the word. I know at least you're merely hearing the word. James says don't merely hear and and forget what it's shown you about yourself. He said that would be so foolish like standing in front of a mirror in the morning and walking away and forgetting what you've seen about your face. When you look into God's word sometimes You have to look deeply and hear thoughtfully. We need to sometimes revisit what we've heard or or read once. That's one of the reasons we write small group questions to go with every sermon we preach here at Southwood. They're right on the homepage of the website, right here at the bottom of the screen where the sermon is. This is on the homepage every week. Usually by the time you get home, you can click right there where it says small group questions and you don't even have to be in a small group, although you should. Anybody can go and have questions that say, give me a chance to revisit the word of God that I heard this morning. In particular, they're geared towards what does this look like in my life? They're not magical questions. They're questions to help you slow down and think, what does it mean in my life? Some of your groups talk about them together. Slow down and listen And trust the loving Father who's speaking to you. Ask him to transform you according to his word. See, that's actually the hope for struggling hearers in this passage. The parable of the sower does challenge us to consider what type of soil we are. How our hearing is. How we're doing with that. But if you think about the agricultural picture Jesus has painted, the soil is not the thing with the power to produce the fruit, is it? You ever seen soil just go around and start bearing fruit on its own? No. Where's the power coming from? It's from the seed, right? That's what produces the fruit. The seed is the source of the growth. The seed, Jesus says, is the word of God. His gospel plowed deep into our hearts by his spirit. That has in itself the power, the potential for producing fruit. That's why Jesus urges us to hear it well. Not because the burden is all on us to produce all this fruit. Get it together and produce fruit better. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. But because when we hear God's word, we are being entrusted with something so precious. 
You can think of it as a, as a love letter from your creator, your God, writing to you, holding in your hands something where he's telling you what he's designed you for and how much he loves you, that he created you for relationship, to live in fellowship with him, and that he was so committed to that that even when you broke it and ran away from him, he pursued you all the way to the cross, that he loves you that much. That's what he wants to tell you in his word. He wants to show you how his son has demonstrated his love for you to its fullest extent. And you hold that in your hands. Something that, that you have that is so powerful, so trustworthy, so transformative, so glorious in what it is that we must give it. It's worthy of our undivided attention our thoughtful application to our lives, our sacrificial shaping of our lives around it regardless of what makes sense or what other personal preferences we might have. Why do you think Satan's so intent on snatching it away from you? On making something else seem more valuable, to make you think you can't trust it. Why is that so important to him? Because when the powerful seed penetrates our heart, it bears fruit a hundredfold. Jesus is saying, beyond what you're used to sowing, beyond any seeds you're used to, this is the kind of fruit you don't know about the power of. This seed does something amazing. It produces crazy fruit, fosters our relationship with Jesus, where we're his mothers and his brothers. It transforms us into the fruitful followers of Jesus that he's called us to be. We hear our Father speak. Listen, if you're struggling to hear, if you, if you realize this morning that maybe you don't hear God's word enough or you certainly don't hear it as he intends for you to, if you're not seeing the fruit of the word in your heart and in your life, don't focus on the fruit. Don't focus on the fruit. Go back to Jesus himself, the vine. Remember, dwell on his love for you. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Focus there on him. Soak in the word until you see Jesus. Pray that God would show you the the glory of his grace in Jesus as he speaks to you. It's what he wants you to hear. He loves you and he's written you a letter about it. He wants you to hear of his love for you in Jesus. Offer yourself to him as soil where he, through the power of his word, not your efforts, can produce much fruit. Let's pray that he would do that in our hearts. Father, you have spoken in your word. You have spoken through your spirit You're the one who gives ears to hear. We need them. Make us people who hear you, who hear your voice voice clearly through all the other noise around us that would tell us other things, that would offer us hope in other places, that would tell us the great value of other alternatives. Might we hear you speak today, tomorrow, 
in every situation and in all of our lives, might your word guide and speak clearly to us. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. For more information, visit us online at southwood.org.